picture that you hire on an operations manager who isn't a self-starter, who isn't self-motivated. You constantly have to bear the mental burden of what you're doing and the mental burden of what they're doing. And it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And so when you find someone who is a self-starter, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like someone who says, yeah, I noticed that this needed to get done and this needed to get done. So here's the solutions that I propose. I just need your signature on this to make sure that it's okay. Is your current success putting a lot of demands on you? If you're good at what you do, and you are, then everyone wants you. But that's no way to scale. If you're delivering spectacular results, you should be commanding higher fees, working with only the best clients. Welcome to the Hands Off CEO Podcast, where world-class agency owners and consultants learn how to fully monetize their expertise and scale profits by doing less. Here's your host, Mandy Ellison. Hello, this is Mandy Ellison, host of the Hands Off CEO Podcast. Today, we are talking about the key characteristics that you're looking for in an operations manager. How do you be able to know that they're going to be able to profitably run your company? How do you know that they're going to be able to actually lead your team and support the level of growth that you know is possible in your company? Well, today we have on the show Zach Stuckey to have this conversation. Now, by way of introduction, Zach is on our team. We are so grateful to have him on our team. He joined our team back in December. And it's really a fantastic thing that happened for hands-off CEO. You know, really why is, is that Zach, has really focused his education, his training and getting his MBA and um, his subsequent work in consulting, really focusing in on scaling service-based companies and actually dealing with the operational constraints and challenges with fast-growing companies. So that's something that he focused his MBA on when he was training at a top prestigious university. He has been bringing that into hands-off CEO and bringing our operations advising to a whole new level. So it's been so exciting to have him. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thank you, Mandy. It's a pleasure to be here. Super excited. Zach and I have been talking about these different things. And we're like, we got to do a podcast episode on this. These are some things that we hear over and over again within our tribe. And, you know, we have a mixture and some of the people and some of our clients in the tribe, they already have operations managers and they're looking at, well, you know, how do I know if this is the right person? Is this the right person for us to continue to develop? Do they have what's needed in place? And What should I expect of them? Those are some things that we get asked multiple times per week. And then we also have folks in our tribe who have not yet hired an operations manager and either they let someone go recently or or that person quit or something happened, they had some turnover and they're now at a place where like, I've got to make sure we get that next level person in place. So is there anything you wanted to add to that, Zach, from what I've shared already? You hit the nail on the head here, Mandy. A lot of times businesses misunderstand what operations is all about. And so they think that they can leave it off. The way that I describe sales and operations, the relationship of the two is pretty simple. Sales is how you communicate your unique selling proposition, your power of ones to your customer, to your niche, your soulmate client. And operations is how you deliver on that. And so a lot of times people just leave that out. They don't make that connection. And so they will often focus on one at the detriment of the other. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation about why they need to understand this and what we at Hands Off CEO can give them that can help them find that value. 
Yeah. And I want to just insert something too from this too, because really a hands-off CEO, one of the things we pride ourselves on is being that bridge between sales and operations and how to be able to actually support rapid growth, sustainable growth in a way where quality actually increases. Now, that's not what usually happens in a service-based company. And one of the things that I just wanted to touch on is that we have people come to us multiple times per week who are sharing something to the effect of, I need to hire more people to be able to generate more growth. We are at capacity or we're close to capacity and we need more team to support more growth. But in order to have those people, we need to generate more cash. And then to be able to generate more cash, we need more clients. You know, so it's this vicious cycle where they, they find themselves stuck in. And Zach, he's really leading the effort in hands-off CEO for how do you be able to free up some more capacity? And actually, he has been the author of, we're creating together this double your capacity program that actually trains our operations managers to really learn how to run the company on a whole new level, not really to step into becoming a COO, really. Yes, absolutely. And that brings us to this topic of how do you know when you're bringing somebody on, if they're going to be the quality of employee and team member that you really need to be able to get them to that level? because You cannot afford, even if you're a million-dollar company, it's really hard to be able to afford someone at a CEO level right out the gate. And so oftentimes, what you're going to be looking at is bringing somebody in who you can then help elevate to that. And that's one of the things, like you said, Mandy, that we at Hands Off CEO do really well. There are four traits that we look for with these operations managers. And actually, before you go into those traits, I want to actually say something, point out something too, because... One of the things that we've found over the years is that hiring a COO before the company is ready is actually a huge detriment. And there's a couple of things that we have seen, and I'd love to hear your thoughts too, Zach, from your years of experience. But we have found that the COOs come in, they want to be the strategist, they want to come in, and they want to be the boss and tell everybody what to do. Now, here's the thing. If your company is at, you're in the low seven figures or even, even less than that, You need somebody who's going to roll up their sleeves and who's going to get in there, who's going to be building the processes right along with the team and who's going to be figuring things out. And as they continue to grow, they have less willingness to do that. I have found. Is that what you found? Oh, absolutely. One of the things that happens is oftentimes you bring these people in and they have a lot of really good ideas. But for CEOs who maybe don't have enough experience managing executive teams like this, those executives can become very, very powerful personalities in the company that can actually cause your company to tank because it removes your focus from your unique selling proposition, that power of once. If you don't understand that, if you don't hold really true to that, then that CEO or that COO can pull you aside from that. And that tanks companies. You know, we had a really great conversation in the Double Your Capacity call today about this about how there were these companies that were competing with one of the tribe members. And the tribe member was saying, you know, I'm worried if I get my operations too firm or reduce variability in my operations too much that I'm just going to become commoditized like everybody else. And that generally is the result of your operations not understanding their role, which is to support and deliver on your unique value proposition. And And the CEO's job as the conductor of the symphony to make sure that everybody is doing their part when they're supposed to be doing it to support the overall vision. Love it. I love that you tied in that vision. That's exactly it. And 
just very recently, I was just having a call with a CEO who shared with me that they, she had hired a really excellent COO and with rave reviews, had done some exceptional work for a business, of, an owner she knew. And this person came in, totally took over and did not adhere to the vision that she had. And what she shared is that it almost tanked her company. Yeah. This is not something that we hear about this all the time. And this is why also, like you were saying, like the CEO needs to develop the skills to manage somebody at that level, especially when their skills are beyond theirs, and which is good. We want to be hiring people who have, have skills that go beyond ours that are complement us. But we also need to be looking at how do we be able to roll this out and stagger it up to match the cash flow of the company, to yes. match it, to be able to generate the cash to profitability, and also just to grow with the company as it goes. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. One little thing I wanted just to share on this as well is that because I've seen what happens if you cannot really stand in your own power as a CEO and as the visionary, what can happen is, is that not only can operations get out of your reach, but your sales can get out of your reach. You know, here are other CEOs where the sales department is just selling whatever they feel like they can sell instead of you having this vision of like, no, this is the growth program. This is our client success map. This is the direction we're growing. This is the clients we bring on. This is the minimum standard. And like being really firm in that. One of the things that I see, though, is the level of expertise can go up with your team and your leaders. There's this relationship that can happen where the CEO can kind of shrink back. And this mm-hmm. can happen if the CEO is not growing at the pace aligned with the company. Have you seen that too, Ben? Oh, absolutely. And what I see is that the CEO isn't owning their vision and they aren't owning their power as the CEO. I want to be really clear with what we do at Hands Off CEO is not that at all. At Hands Off CEO, we're teaching CEOs to really own their power and their responsibility as the CEO to hold that vision and hold that space for the vision to become a reality and really fight for that vision sometimes in the organization when that becomes necessary. What you're describing is what some people would think of when they hear the term Hands Off CEO. They would think, oh, it's someone who just kind of sits back and lets everybody else do the work. But Mandy, as you've become, as we've worked together and your time has been freed up to focus on other things, have you become less assertive in your vision or more assertive in your vision? Definitely more assertive. I also have more time and energy to focus on what I actually want to see. And then there's like this balance between hands-on and hands-off. There's sometimes Mm -hmm. you got to really be hands-on. Like Mm -hmm. when you see things going off kilter, we had this happen in the previous quarter where we had this, have this really expansive project that we've been working on and we've been rolling it out this quarter. It's been fantastic. But what I was noticing is the team didn't quite get the vision. It was really on me because I had not properly articulated. I thought I had, I thought I had, I thought I had, there was something that was missing. So what I found was helpful is just to go and I re-articulated again by drawing pictures in a way that that's for me, one of the best ways I can express myself. Because I, I used to be a designer, but it's about getting more and more assertive with your vision. I mean, you do it in a very supportive way. And you do it in a way where you, you help course correct, but at the same time, you go hands-on, then hands-off and let people figure out how things done. It allows you to be able to empower people to really own the vision, own the execution of the vision. So it's yeah. like this balance between being hands-on and hands-off in the areas where you can make the biggest impact. Absolutely. And it's actually funny because some of this conversation has actually highlighted what you need to be looking for in that operations manager and how it fits together. It's like hand in glove. You know what I mean? So we talked about how as the CEO, like you need to be focused on the vision. 
one of those traits that you need to be looking for in an operations manager is that they've got to be a self-starter. They've got to be motivated because picture this, right? Picture that you hire on an operations manager who isn't a self-starter, who isn't self-motivated. You constantly have to bear the mental burden of what you're doing and the mental burden of what they're doing. And it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And so when you find someone who is a self-starter, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like someone who says, yeah, I noticed that this needed to get done and this needed to get done. So here's the solutions that I propose. I just need your signature on this to make sure that it's okay. They read your mind. Yes, absolutely. And not only do they read your mind, but it's like a weight is lifted off of your shoulders that you didn't even know you had because you've lived with it for so long. So that's trait number one. That's what we're looking for is someone who's going to be a self-starter and self-motivated that you don't want to have to constantly be giving them the direction of what needs to get done. I want to highlight something else too that links to this. So part of being a self-starter, they're a self-starter, but they're also owning it. And then they're also leading the team in owning it. Mm -hmm. We want that in every single person on our team. If they can't own it, they don't belong there. They don't belong on our team. That's a great value add because I think that's wrapped up in that being a self-starter. They're finding these problems and bringing solutions to you. They've owned that whole thing. When you sign off on it, they're going to own implementing that solution. So it's all of that is off your shoulders. Trait number two is someone who's analytical. You need someone who's going to be looking at your processes and systems and looking for very specific things in those processes and systems, looking for ways to improve them and has that kind of that analytical mind to them so that they're able to really improve your processes and systems. If they aren't able to do that, then it becomes very difficult for them to really have that measurable impact. They would rely on you to drive all of that change, to identify all of the change that needs to be driven in the organization. And that becomes really difficult. That's burdensome, again, on the CEO. That creates a situation where, again, they may be a self-starter, but they can't bring those solutions to you. And these two traits kind of go hand in hand of the self-starter and the analytical, because if they can't analyze and see where the problems are, then they can't start on the solutions. No, they can't. And the other side of this too, around being analytical, it's, I actually don't find it's very difficult to find people who are analytical. What I find is more difficult is someone who's a self-starter who can own it, who is analytical and has the ability to look at the granular pieces and then also understand the big picture for how it connects with the vision and then be able to communicate that vision and really bring that to the team. Yes, absolutely. And that actually brings us to trait number four, which is tenacity. As you've come up with these problems and identified these solutions together, they're going to need to drive that change on your team. And your team's going to push back because change is hard and people don't like change. And so what that means is that they're going to be fighting back against that. And as a leader, your operations manager needs to have the grit, that tenacity, that stick-to-itiveness to drive that change in the face of that opposition because it's best for the company as a whole. And that's what leaders really do. Leaders recognize that I have to make decisions that are for the benefit of the team, even if the team doesn't necessarily see that way. That's what we're looking for is that tenacity, that grit, that stick-to-itiveness that that operations manager is going to have 
that wherewithal to drive that change in the organization, even in the face of the opposition. Well, and you know what? This is something that we also had come up today during this double your capacity program that we have both the CEOs and the ops managers, the ops leaders on this. And we have varying levels of expertise on there too. We have people that are in the COO seat who's really looking at fully stepping into that. We have some that are really stepping into the operations manager seat. But one of the things that we saw was like this, this resistance that showed up a bit. And what's so interesting is, is that you'll see resistance in a number of different ways. The biggest resistance is just not showing up. That's the biggest resistance, actually. (laughs) That's the thing that we do run into sometimes. A challenge that we can run into with our clients and their ops managers. I mean, this doesn't happen all the time, but this does happen with a percentage of them and enough that it's definitely a concern where the CEO is not making a big enough. They're not explaining to their COO, their ops manager, how important it is for them to be part of that. And they're letting them off with, I'm too busy. And really, the I'm too busy is, is that I'm uncomfortable getting the extra development. That's really what it is. I'm uncomfortable having a third party being a, observing me and how I'm showing up here. And when you have an ops manager or any leader on your team who is resisting development, you should be concerned. If they're not eating it up with a big spoon, you should be concerned because it is a sign of big resistance. It's a sign of their inability to actually look at themselves and that self-awareness. So that's something else I would add to this next point you're going to share, I guess. But that self-awareness that it's so critical for them to be able to take that development. So that first piece is the resistance around not showing up. And the second piece that we see with the resistance is CEOs can actually give back, give pushback for like, well, you know what, this right here, we have to be able to make this many changes because this is what the client will buy. And it's true. And, but there's also ways around it. There's also ways that you can increase quality as you're streamlining and simplifying the business, how you can be able to increase the outcomes for clients without commoditizing it. But it takes being open-minded and it takes the operations leader to also give some pushback. And I know Zach, you know, when we were going through this process in our company back in December, Zach was taking us through this process. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. We have to combine this with what we're doing with hands-off CEO because it's so critical. And I'll tell you, I gave you some pushback, didn't I, with some of the things? <laughs> you, did. you did. It was good pushback because it allowed me to push back against you and really test where that resistance was coming from and push through it. Right. So they need to be available to have these kind of conversations and be able to take a stand, including with the CEO, being able to actually manage up and move things forward. So I think that goes really well with what you were saying with that tenacity that you're looking for. They need to have tenacity with a team, but also with the executive team as well. Yeah, exactly. And I want to add, you know, another reason why these people may not show up is because the CEOs aren't doing a good enough job selling that vision. But this also lends to the operations manager not being able to catch the vision when the CEO is selling it. So there's kind of a symbiotic relationship there. The final trait that we're looking for with operations managers is really that they're emotionally intelligent. This is one of those skills that's really vital as you're leading change in the organization is helping them to be able to sense that resistance from the team and identify why they're resisting it and have that relationship of trust with their team so that the team can bring that forward, those concerns, and really be able to have that that valuable relationship. There are so many phrases and 
idioms that just talk about not being able to force change on anyone. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Dale Carnegie said that. And it's true. So this idea of emotionally intelligent leadership is the idea that I'm able to pull out these concerns and pull out this resistance from my team so that we can address it together so that I get their buy-in on the change. Because I don't want to have to sit there and whip them into change because they'll leave. And then how do you build a company? Right. You're going into the conversation around a number. You've said a number of things. You're talking about how important it is for enrollment. That starts with the CEO. That starts with the CEO's ability to be able to enroll the team in like, this is the direction we're going and then leading that change. And then the operations manager, they need to be able to enroll the team in that, but on, on more of a granular level when the managing of the day-to-day. What you were saying about the emotional intelligence or EQ, that is critical. It's make or break. This is actually the hardest part we find to be able to tie it all together for an operations manager. Yes, absolutely it is. They have found that EQ can be trained. There's actually some really interesting research around that. But finding someone who's not so in their ego that they are willing to be trained is the key. Because it's like you talked about, if your operations manager isn't eating up personal development with a big spoon and a big bowl, they're just not where they need to be. Because you cannot provide that feedback. You can't provide that healthy, constructive criticism that they need to become an ideal operator to really lead the organization. Because if they can't do it, you can't expect them to be able to pull that out of their subordinates further down the organization. That's a really great point. And so while some of these traits can be trained, we don't want to actually go and hire someone who doesn't have these traits and actually train them. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's a lot (laughs) easier to just find them at the very beginning. One of the things that we at Hands Off CEO recommend is making sure that you're finding the right person and being really careful about the people that you bring into the organization. Because organizational cultures are a delicate mix. And if they're screwed up, it takes a long time to fix them. Take your time, find the right person. The instant that you don't feel like they're working out, we give them two strikes. We call it managing agreements in the organization. And if they don't work out, we let them go. And we find somebody else who will. Here's the thing is, is that sometimes you don't necessarily have to let them go out of the company. You might be able to reallocate them into a different role. For example, an operations manager who they're not quite in that role. They're not quite at that level. Maybe they'd be really good for an account manager. Maybe they'd be really good for a customer support role. They could be excellent as an executive assistant, but they need a little bit more time and development. So we wanted to go over these four things to actually talk about what are the minimum requirements that you need to have in place to know that you can actually invest in and develop them. And another part of this, like these are the key characteristics and traits that you need to have, but you also have someone You want someone who's going to be bought into the vision of what you're building. And what that means is you actually have to articulate what your vision is. Is Your vision is not, I want to make more money. (laughs) And by the way, unfortunately, there's too many business owners that that's what they're all about. And it shows up. And that's one of the reasons for this great resignation, because people are tired of showing up to work to just make somebody rich. It's not something that they're really that excited about. And We can be those organizations that really attract in those really top level talent that are looking right now. They're looking for those places of meaning that they can make a big difference. So it's really that opportunity to like have a much bigger mission around what you're doing. And then you can call in and attract these people that want to be part of that, want to give 
their career and their life to really support this mission. Absolutely. And I love that you added on about the great resignation because it's so true. People really are sick and tired of the only purpose that they're working for is the almighty dollar. I believe that people are are inherently more moral than that and that they really want to make their mark on the world. And so what they do, the work that they do has to be directly tied to a higher purpose. And if you as the leader can't express that, then you got some work to do. Right. But I know that what we found is that we've had no problem attracting in really excellent people in our organization. And we're seeing for our clients' organizations too, as they're continuing to expand their vision and get more excited about it, they're not having problems attracting in these really exceptional people who are just showing up and giving 100%. It doesn't mean that you don't ever see people that are like, oh, this is not the right, like, it doesn't mean you don't ever have to do some weeding. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, you're going to run into that. But what we're finding within our Scale to Freedom tribe is that our clients are not having a hard time finding people. Yes, it's taking longer. Yes, you have to be more particular. Yes, there's most definitely challenges, but they're finding exceptional people and working within their budget too. Oh, absolutely they are. And I love that you pointed out it doesn't mean that you don't have to weed some of these people, but people are naturally drawn in to a company that has a vision. They're starving for it. They're absolutely starving for it and starving for good leadership. The instant that you can show that, that you are a solid leader with a clear vision that really makes people's lives better, man, you have people who are willing to put their head through a wall for you. Definitely. So just to wrap this up, the four key traits of an effective operations manager, what you really need to make sure that bare foundations that they need to have in place to actually be able to develop and to run your company. Now, something I just want to say really quick is that no matter who you hire, you will have to develop them. No matter whatever level of skill, you have to develop them. And you could just be looking at what level of person you want to hire based on the, the stage of your company's growth. And this is something that we do with our clients at Scale to Freedom. We help them understand where should they be hiring based on the, the growth of their company. If you're, they're growing crazy fast and they're just not keeping up, it's costing them money not to have somebody at the very top level. And they might yes. be ready for that. And this just kind of depends on the stage that they're at. But these are the key traits that we need to be looking at to be able to develop them and to know that they're going to be at that place that you can confidently know that they, with some development, they could help you grow the company. Next episode, we're going to be talking about what are some of the expectations? What should you expect of them as they're developing, as they're growing within your company? So that we have five expectations for what they need to be hitting on to be able to, to grow your company. And this is something that's really exciting to share because I talk to people all the time. We talk to CEOs of agencies and consulting companies that will say, yes, I have the COO. And then, you know, we go through these five things and they're like, they're not doing any of them. So what ends up happening is they've got this over title of COO and they're not even operating at the level of a good operations manager. Yeah. And accountability is such a vital part of scaling your business. If you can't hold anybody accountable for what you do, then you won't go anywhere. So I'm very excited about this next episode. And and I think that your listeners are just going to eat it up. I think they're going to love it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening in. And if you're at a place where you'd like to, you know, you're looking at this and saying, you know what, how do I know if this is the right person? You know, do I have the right pieces in place to really scale? Your next best step is to go to handsoffceo.com forward slash briefing. 
and to attend one of our executive briefings. This is a live executive briefing. Me as the founder, I actually am leading these calls. These are small where we actually go through the full process for what does it take to be able to have a company that can generate a million dollar plus profit stream for your company every year. So if you can go to handsoffco.com forward slash briefing, and we can deepen that conversation together in a small group setting where we can actually really look at what the next steps are in your organization for scaling. This is Mandy Ellison and Zach Stuckey signing off.